and welcome to another episode of the O3C podcast. My name is Jonathan Dunn, coming to you from O3C Games. And, oh, oh, who's that? Oh, it's only Chris Dow, isn't it? It's me, isn't it? I'm always bloody here. Every time, every time, except for last week. And we are talking <laughs> about video games. <laughs> announcement! Announcement! There's a magical place where dreams can come true. There's trucks of a million all under one roof, and it's called Patreon.com forward slash O3C Games. That's it, to be honest. Just a little silly song for British fans of a very specific vintage. Cardiff Toys R Us was turned into a uh, COVID vaccination centre. <laughs> Keep that in as well. <laughs> oh, well. Oh. Here we go. It genuinely felt like something out of The Last of Us. Yeah. It was so bleak. So we're back after a bonus episode where me and my good friend Lewis Norman dissected the Last of Us HBO TV series. If you liked that, hop over to the Patreon, whack a subscription down to get two bonus episodes of a similar format with me and Chris discussing the Tetris movie. Tetris. And me and Minty, oh, remember Minty, chatting about the Super Mario Brothers movie. Mario! So, we are gathered back here today to update each other and you, dear listeners, on what we've been playing in the last couple of weeks. Because we haven't chatted, really, in the last couple of weeks, have we, Chris? No, we hate each other. Oh, just (laughs) constantly livid. First of all, I'm going to give you a bit of an update on my survival-esque games, which uh, I guess is sort of becoming its own sort of little genre now certainly like following the success of vampire survivors yeah i see a lot of things being like oh it's a survivors-esque game or survival-esque game or something like this uh but i'll begin talking about vampire survivors because it has received a new piece of dlc is it weighty for the princely sum of one pound 43 you can get some new stages about eight new characters and a whole host of new weapons and abilities and I dove in to see what was what, and it's uh, it's great. I mean, it's more of the same. So, you know, it was reason enough for me to plough a couple more hours into the game, making a start and hoovering up some of the new achievements. Something of note is that the newer stages that have come out with this DLC, and also with the first round of DLC, they're a bit more designed than the original set of stages, which were significantly more like open plan with lots of repeated sections and tile-based designs you know spanning these enormous never-ending maps and it's weird to criticize a game for doing something more definitively designed um (laughs) but I, i don't like these new stages as much because they've still got that vastness to them but then there are also these like mazy bits and like uh specific buildings you can go in but basically it's just you can find yourself going down dead ends and you you just don't know where that section's going until you're at a dead end and it started to feel frustrating because having like full control of your spatial movement that is what is key to this type of game and you don't quite have that when you feel like misguided a little bit but you know i'll probably keep dipping into it from time to time chip away at those achievements and then inevitably jump back in when more content drops because it's a great game and cheap as chips cheaper than chips just doing the math and yeah i've paid more for chips today (laughs) i realized that the tomb raider game that i've been playing on my mobile tomb raider reloaded it almost basically falls into this sort of category as well a sort of survivors-esque game because it's about beating enemies 
with auto-attacking weapons, spatial awareness, stacking abilities, and all that sort of thing, which is why I've like been continuing to enjoy playing the game, despite the extraordinarily granular progress I'm making, <laughs> yeah. especially on this Netflix ad-free, free-to-play game. Because as I mentioned before, no concessions have been made in the game for the removal of microtransactions. Yeah. The game still sends you down into these pools of time oblivion to try and get you to spend money to speed things up a bit, but they've just removed the ability to actually do that. But I, I just I find it quite therapeutic. Like there's always daily and weekly challenges to do and special events and you slowly upgrade your gear and your character and like I just really like it. And also in the last week I've got my head around a mechanic that's in the game. When you pick up an item or a weapon for your inventory, for your gear that you can equip, if you don't want to use it, you may as well just sell it, I thought. But if you save them up, then if you get three of like a type then you can upgrade it to the next rarity level of that. So say, for example, I've got myself three common dual pistols. Yeah. Keep saving up those common dual pistols and you're going to end up with a bloody epic one. And that's great. And so it means that there's a bit more... I mean, it's really fucking dull when I say it out loud. (laughs) But I like it. Uh, But lo and behold, over on Apple Arcade, a very similar game has actually also been released called Summon Quest. And unlike the Netflix versions of games, uh, this has been built without microtransactions in mind. So it does feel more like you're playing a game than just pulling a millstone over increasingly small grains of wheat. (laughs) However, it is a bit more complex than Tomb Raider, which means you do need to play it in landscape with two hands oh we don't like that we don't we don't like that because it's basically it's set up more like a diablo type game where you have your main weapon that's just attacking but then you also accrue summons to use with like cooldown timers but whereas diablo has these as like abilities that you can use summon quest has uh, summonable monsters to, to call to help you out and they all have their own quirks and abilities and you know like elemental type and, and that sort of thing And you gather them by beating them as bosses on the level stages, and then you add them to your roster. And that's that's really, really nice. And you can upgrade them, as you know, obviously, in in addition to upgrading your armor and your gear and your stats and stuff. So you do get progressively stronger. And like on each of the levels, like you'll do a set of like about, I don't know, 10, 15 stages, and you'll get perks and upgrades at the ends of levels that then stack throughout that level run so it's, it's got that like short form arcadey feel of something like vampire survivors or the tomb raider game yeah the only downside is that you need two hands to play it because uh, you're using one thumb for movement and if you're not tapping your summon buttons with, with your other thumb you'll be using that thumb to dodge and roll out of the way of attacks and traps so it doesn't really quite fit the mold i want my mobile games to be because i can't play it one-handed in bed basically not that I'm doing anything else. Uh, that it just sounds. <laughs> you set yourself up. I know, but I'm lying on one side, and you know, especially at the moment, I'm recovering from a dislocated shoulder, so I need something that I can just very, very easily control if I'm going to play it in bed. But the good thing is that because Summon Quest is an Apple Arcade game, I've just got it running on my iMac instead. Easy peasy. So I can boot it up have a couple of runs in between bits of work and and that's just really really nice and also it is a, a sufficient appetite whetter for diablo 4 coming in a few weeks time which is uh 
it's going to be amazing, I'm sure. And the more I'm hearing about Diablo, the more excited I am about it. I don't know if I ever really banged on about Diablo 3 before when I was playing that. I think you did. So good. Yeah, I've got Diablo 4 pre-ordered on PS5. It has got cross-platform support and also cross-saving as well. Yeah. So I'm going to keep an eye out for it uh, for like a cheaper CD key to add it on Steam so I can play it on Steam Deck on the go and then PS5 on the stay <laughs> on the stop <laughs> what have you played chris well after a good few weeks of a fair amount of evercade stuff i've put that down for a little bit i'm having a little rest and i've picked up the steam deck again Ooh, the constant aggressive borderline relentless sales on steam <laughs> have led me to consistently spend too much money pretty much all of the time since getting a steam deck but also it's making me take chances on games I may never have bothered with otherwise because even in like a seasonal sale on the PS5 or on the Switch price cuts just never seem to be quite this silly like they're just so often and so low (laughs) there's always something to look into yeah and it's interesting you mentioned Diablo because case in point I haven't played Diablo but I've been playing Minecraft Dungeons and that is very much a Diablo inspired Minecraft spin-off that's not the new one is it no no that's got some other some other name. That's Minecraft Legends, is that it? Which is meant to be awful. I think that's correct. I think that's correct. But Dungeons is really good. And it's had its ultimate DLC stuffed edition reduced to like a tenner a few oh, wow. weeks ago. So yeah. I, I picked it up. That was like 80% of its retail cost just sized off just because. Mm. There's never a reason. It's just like, well, it's a Wednesday, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So suddenly games are cheap. And I think I've always liked the idea of Diablo, but I've never had the stamina to invest in that sort of dungeon crawler properly. Because it does take an investment. Like, I've enjoyed games like Cat Quest and Death Spank. Oh, I love Death Spank. Yeah, and they take a bit of Diablo's simple action combat and a bit of the kind of gear management, but they take out a lot of that depth. So it's a lot easier to kind of just have a little bite of. And I know some people, like yourself, love that whole rabbit hole, but as someone who rarely fixates on a single big game for a long period of time like me, that level of granular detail has always been a bit off-putting. Because I flip between games so often, uh, rather than obsessing over one big boy at a time. Sort yeah. of Jonathan Dunn style. <laughs> I don't know what you mean. But lo and behold, Minecraft Dungeons might be the exact game I've been looking for. And one I never would have bothered with because of its usual cost and its ties to a series that I have nothing against, but also no personal fondness for outside of its soundtrack. Yeah. Because in Dungeons, you're hopping into semi-procedurally generated stages that are spread across the Minecraft biomes. You're hacking and slashing your way through mob after mob using melee and ranged and magic attacks. You upgrade your gear and loadouts. You pick up better loot. And it's all really addictive and just the right level of demanding. You know, it's not asking too much of me. It's nice to look at. It's pleasant to listen to. And I imagine if you are playing it with friends, it's probably even better because I think it scales to account for whoever's playing and then you could be a bit more strategic if someone's going to be the healer and someone's going to be the tank and everything else. But even as a solo game, just having a nice time. It runs flawlessly in handheld on the deck at max settings. Nice. It runs near enough flawlessly blown up to 1080p as well if you put it in the dock. So it's just a really good game to play whilst reclined. It's a reclining game. (laughs) You know, there's enough going on that's not completely mindless, but not heavy going enough to fill all of your headspace if you're trying to unwind. Yeah. If you did pick it up on the deck, this is anyone in the world, not just you specifically, you do need to set an older Proton version. That's the compatibility layer that makes Windows games run, (laughs) because otherwise it suffers from (laughs) crashing. 
I'm, yeah. I, this, this is a PSA. I'm trying yeah, to be you're, nice. you're absolutely you're absolutely right. I've had to look it up for most games I want to play. Yeah. But since making that tweak, I've had no issues in Very the good. five or six hours I played. I find Minecraft as a concept and as set dressing really fascinating. And do you remember when Minty wrote an article for our website a while back about Minecraft being the best game he was never going to play? Yeah. And I think, I feel broadly very similar. Like, I like the concept. I like the kids will use it to be creative. Like, the still kids that I teach obsessed with Minecraft. They use it for, like, role-playing on servers they set up. They use it to learn basic engineering skills. They use it to be social. But the few times that I've tried to actually play it, I just don't get any joy from it. Yeah. I like the minimalist aesthetic. And like Lego, I think there's an inherent beauty in its simplistic makeup. But to actually play... I'll just build a hut, dig a hole, die, mm. and then have no inclination to go back to it afterwards. Yeah. So maybe as an adult, I just don't have the imagination needed to really get the most from it. But with a game like Minecraft Dungeons, maybe that's okay, because the Minecraft bit here is just theming. And instead, it's just something that is quite manageable to sort of chunk into little bits for an imaginationally bereft 36-year-old. Mm. So I've had a good time. A game that I returned to this week after the little hiatus was Sonic Frontiers. Get in! Get in! Now, Jonathan, oh. since <laughs> since I last played it, it's had a little update. It's got some more music theme collectibles. It's quite nice to grab them in the open world. It's got a few other challenge modes that I've not got round to. But to play it, I hate to say it, I'm just not having any fun anymore. Oh. It really has just like dropped off the cliff. And I've made it to the second island now, so I beat the big first boss... But mechanically, the more I play it, the less I like anything. <laughs> like, it, it really, really has upset me. Like, I started to drop off of my enjoyment of the open world stuff because naturally, the mini puzzles of the first island were starting to dry up because I'd done them all. And as much as I know there are then more in the next island, it just kind of lost its luster a bit. And then the whole sort of final run into the big titan it just seems to exemplify how empty the world actually was when you'd done the things that were there to do. There's not that much to look at in the way that Breath of the Wild is just nice to wander about. Yeah. It's quite sparse and barren. And that idea, it felt like a real boon in the opening minutes. Like, do you remember I said how much I enjoyed the initial kind of five-minute blast mm. of just thinking, wow, I feel, I feel so alone. Mm. But yeah. by the end of it, it's like, oh, wow, I, I want so someone alone. by my side. <laughs> As well, because it doesn't have a mechanic like, say, Breath of the Wild's stamina meter to make just getting around a bit more of a challenge. Like, there's no friction to it yeah. other than I have to let go of the boost button for one second to recharge my running. It's all quite easy. I found myself getting a bit bored by the regular combat encounters in the open plains as well. Because once you unlock the ability on the skill tree to use the auto combo, oh, yeah. I just didn't feel any incentive to try and remember any of the unnecessarily complicated attack strings. And then even the showcase events that are supposed to break this stuff up started to quite annoy me as well. Like there's a big roaming encounter thing with a flying monster on that first island. I think it's called the squid or something like that. And even at the end of my time on the island, I wasn't powerful enough or maybe just wasn't skillful enough to engage it and beat it. And yet every time it flies past you, the game plays a big unskippable entrance cutscene. Yeah. And the nice island music that I'm still very much in love with, <laughs> that's the real takeaway, that goes away and it transforms into that proper film trailer style sort of sub bass in the background. Whether or not I actually have an intention to try and attack it. Yeah. It's another case for me of the game doubling down on the bits that I find irritating rather than interesting. <laughs> I just wish someone overseeing the whole project had better identified how this game could exist 
in the modern AAA space as something a bit different rather than trying to stretch itself in all these directions that the character and the controls and the setting just don't really fit. The other thing that annoyed me, (laughs) even the subspace stages that I had previously been enjoying have lost their sheen because I think the first few I did, I'd lucked across the stages that were plucked from 3D era Sonic games. And I finally found the entrance totem to run through the Green Hill analogue. For reasons I can't quite fathom, the physics somehow feel worse than Sonic Generations did in 2011 when it's in 2D. Like the 3D stages based on colours or adventure or whatever, they get quite a nice makeover because those games felt awful to play, like shockingly poor. Mm. And the new physics engine is for the most part a good deal better to kind of zip through. But the 2D games have always been their own thing. And because I know how Green Hill should feel, I'm patently aware that in this weird amalgam of odd momentum and the homing and dashing and everything else, it just doesn't feel quite consistent. And a lot of the sort of jankiness that I can forgive in a 3D stage that lasts a minute and a half, it just doesn't cut it the same when I have such specific and fond memories of the 2D stuff. Like on the Steam Deck, I can play Sonic Origins, I can play Sonic Mania, I can play a whole host of Sonic ROMs. You know, they're all on there. I just don't have a reason to persevere with a throwback stage that somehow doesn't feel as good as any other time they've remade it. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. Then when I finally got to the big boss, big Titan man, I can't remember what his name is. Might just be Titan. David. (laughs) Yeah, big, big David. I was a bit sad to find that it was literally just a war of attrition because you morph into supersonic and then you just fight until you can't as your rings tick down. (laughs) So either you had enough rings to beat it or you didn't. Then you do it again with more. Like that, that's the boss. So I failed the encounter the first couple times because I was entering with the default tally of rings. And then I thought, well, I'll just get a few more then and then beat it straight away. <laughs> because basically, if you collect the rings, you are guaranteed to win the encounter. You're invincible. And the only setback is you get flung back a bit as your rings are counting down. So as long as you've picked up the necessary amount of sort of uncommunicated rings, then you're good. 10 out of 10. Great. Yeah. I just think we've talked before about games like The Last of Us and God of War Ragnarok leaning too much into the sort of mildly playable cutscene type DDA. Yeah. And it's frustrating that, again, the bosses in this game, or the big bosses, have taken that sort of flavor of the month piece of game design and just gone, yeah, I think that's that's what we should do. As opposed to making it a mildly skillful thing, like Classic Sonic would have been, to find the window to jump in and attack or whatever else. I think this is probably good night for me on Frontiers, unless there's suddenly some patchwork that fundamentally changes how you approach it. You know, my save game is in the cloud. I can return to it any time, but I have uninstalled it as of this week. Weenie. As long as you keep listening to the vinyl, that's all I really care about, to be honest. It's on the shelf. It's in regular rotation. I love that. So, you know, at least that purchase was not in vain. Yeah. <laughs> but the game itself, oh, I don't know. What else you played? Uh, Anything that's not on a phone? Yes, actually. The second group of games that I'm going to talk about outside of Survivors... Well, it was kind of sparked by the latest Indie World Direct that Nintendo broadcast a week or so ago. Yeah. And it highlighted some like nice-looking new games that are coming and also some existing games that had sort of passed me by a bit. And I, I was quite enamoured with several of them. Uh, I bookmarked a few that looked interesting and I dipped into my eShop credit and downloaded some games that were already wholly available and were, for the most part, wholly underwhelming. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> I bought a game called A Little to the Left, which is a tidying up puzzle game where you're presented with a scene of items scattered 
and you need to move them about to where they need to be to tidy them up and arrange them neatly, which is a nice concept. It's quite satisfying. The HD rumble is aggressive. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But there's also too many of the puzzles revolve around knowing what colour things are, which obviously I really struggle with as a colour blind man. Yeah. There are also too many puzzles that were just a bit too oblique and frustrating. And it's also really clunky to control with a control pad because it feels designed for touchscreens. So I've tidied that game back into my archive for now. Then I went about hunting for a new Metroidvania to play, having recently had like a really great time with Gatto Roboto. I am trying to find time to pick up Lone Fungus on my Steam Deck when I get the chance. Yeah. I actually don't know where my Steam Deck is at the moment, because I've just been really, really busy. I know where my Switch lives. Actually, I don't. Anyway, um, <laughs> I wanted something to play on my Switch, and I picked up a game called Yoku's Island Express in the eShop Ooh, sale. That's a good one. Have you played it? Yeah. And it's a Metroidvania, which also includes pinball mechanics. Yeah. It's a really, really cool idea. It's integrated very, very well into the level design. It's got really great movement, great puzzles, but it just wasn't what I was in the mood for. Yeah. Like, inevitably, it's slower and clunkier to move around via the medium of pinball than it is to <laughs> walk and run. Who would uh, have thought it? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And obviously, that's the point of the game, and it is yeah. great. I, and I, I'll certainly come back to it at some point when I'm in the mood for something a bit different. But I was a bit more intrigued by seeing Tesla Grad 1 remastered and the brand new Tesla Grad 2 that were featured on the Indie World Direct, which looked to be more traditional metroidvanias set in a cool steampunk world with the central mechanic being uh, manipulating magnetic forces to either attract or repel you to certain things and give things different charges to attract them and repel them blah 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 solving puzzles and again i could see that it was pretty cool it was well implemented and the game looks and sounds gorgeous but i just couldn't be bothered to solve the puzzles I bought the double pack of Tesla Grad 1 Remastered and the brand new Tesla Grad 2. I played a bit of number two and it's got a few different elements in its setup which also look cool. Although I thought the performance felt a bit wobbly on the Switch. So, I mean, I'll probably return to them at some point as well. Again, when I'm in the mood for something a little bit different. Because basically what I wanted was I just wanted to play Dead Cells. (laughs) That was the thing. It's always there. So I was really, really pleased to be pointed in the direction of another Metroidvania, which was on sale on the eShop. And that was the game Hack. Spelled H-A-A-K. And Hack, it really was the sort of thing I was after. It's a fairly typical Metroidvania setup with nice, fast action platforming mechanics it's got a great style to it lots of deep blacks that look great on the oled and it's it's got a great tone to its writing as well it's set in a post-apocalyptic world with mysterious and intriguing characters and you know you're getting cool and interesting abilities and upgrades and mechanics and it's just really really good fun there's one element that i don't particularly like which is the the copious amount of hidden breakable walls in the game yeah so there are like some secret areas that are actually quite clearly signposted through hidden walls it's there's usually like a little lantern or something hanging by it and you're like oh okay i'll attack the wall there and you'll find a little secret but there's also there's loads of these walls that are just there and you don't know they're there unless you attack the wall which leads to you attacking every bit of wall you see in case there's something there and i don't know why it bothers me because there's plenty of that type of thing in loads of other metroidvanias including metroid and (laughs) vania and hollow knight (laughs) and ori and the blind forest yeah but it might just come back to the sort of game i'm in the mood for at the moment and i think 
yeah, I realised that I just want to be playing something as fast and satisfying as Dead Cells, which, to be fair to every other game that exists, only Dead Cells really feels like that. Yeah, uh, but yeah. I'm significantly more invested in hack than those other games I've mentioned. And I think I'll, I'll keep clawing my way through it. But yeah, I can't really say something bad about it that is actually a key part of the design. Yeah. But what's lined up next for me is Star Wars Jedi Survivor, which arrived uh, through my letterbox on release day, but wasn't finished installing and downloading until the following day because of its whopping 150 gigabyte plus file size. So I haven't actually made a start uh, on playing that yet. And I had hoped that I'd be able to blast through it before Zelda comes out in a couple of weeks but i've got a lot of work on and a daughter with chicken pox so <laughs> jedi survivor Poor nora it, I know, Poor nora it may end up waiting until after zelda at this rate but yeah we'll see we'll see we will see have you played anything else christopher dow i have because oh. we've recently had a bank holiday weekend over yeah. here in the old uk we've got another one coming up what a treat god save the king uh. But I have to say, outside of any sentiment towards the the monarchy, each and every time we have a slightly extended weekend, it makes me cry out with anguish at the fact we don't generally use four-day working weeks. I know. Because it's only when you have that in contrast that you think on a regular two-day weekend, you know, I spend one day trying to do fun things and one day where I always have to do jobs and work things. Yeah. And the issue is that the one day, the fun day, feels so short that I tend to play something for a minute and then I watch something for a minute and then I'll go for a walk and then cut that short because I feel like I'm missing out on something else at home. And it turns what should be fun time into anxious time Mm. because I want to do so many things that I usually end up just doing none of them. Well, you'll be pleased to know that when I'm teaching my daughter the days of the week... I'm not mentioning Wednesday to you in the hope that the next generation will grow up just thinking that there's uh, yeah, that the four day week is, is the thing. It absolutely should be. Mm. Because as soon as there is just a little bit more time, the stress of managing a Saturday just seems to unconsciously float away. And this weekend, I decided to revisit PlayStation 3 emulation on the Steam Deck because it's a platform that I dabble with a lot early doors on the Steam Deck just to think like, wow, that's impressive that it runs. But I've kind of just left it dormant. I know things have progressed in that time. And not having the pressure of knowing that that next day I'd have to get on with work, I just sat and fiddled about, faffed about and had a lovely time because there's a whole host of games that will play kind of without major issue. They, They do need tinkering. It's far less kind of plug and play than a lot of older emulators. But a lot of the less demanding PlayStation Network titles will run flawlessly. So too do quite a lot of the big boy games like, say, Ridge Racer 7 or The Simpsons game from 2007. They just run fine. But the game that I took a slightly deeper dive on, and I've played now for four to five hours probably Mm. this weekend, was Shadows of the Damned, a game that I owned on the 360. I was always a bit reticent to play because I assumed it would be more spooky than it actually is because it's a third-person action game directed by the tag team of Suda51 of Noble Heroes and Killer7 fame and Shinji Mikabe, who did Resident Evil and Future Joe and all sorts of other Platinum games. And it basically plays like an over-the-top Robert Rodriguez movie when you actually get into it. And after a lot of emulator tweaking, I now have the game running at a pretty decent clip and I think I'm about halfway through the whole adventure. It's good. I think it's really fun. Like, you play a character named Garcia Hotspur. Mm. Good voice acting in this game as well. A lot of fun. You're a demon hunter. Your girlfriend is dragged down to hell. And then you must enter the City of the Damned to attempt to rescue her. 
And in gameplay, this is essentially a heavily Resident Evil 4 inspired action game. So it's got the same quick turn. It's got the same laser sight for shooting. And whilst you are fighting demons and all manner of creepy, shambling weirdos, the theming is very much creepy but dumb or horror but cool, kind of like the early Evil Dead films. Oh, yeah. And as such, I've had no issues with jump scares or anything like that. It's just been a good time. Like, the humour is really silly. It's really puerile at times. The whole thing is built around dick jokes and silly pieces of double entendre. Perfect. But as long as you're approaching it with something like Planet Terror in mind, Mm -hmm. it's a good time. Performance in-game can be a little bit wobbly due to the way emulators from this generation essentially are building 3D shaders on the fly. So if I was to play it a second time through, it'd be much smoother. Mm. But that's not how it works to play older games like this. But... I am playing on the easiest difficulty to try and accommodate for that. So even if an encounter is running poorly, I can usually get through it reasonably unscathed. I think I'm currently at the beginning of chapter four out of a total six. So there's a chance with our second bank holiday weekend, I can celebrate the King's coronation by shooting demons in the face. The game never left the 360 or the PS3 and currently reaches a pretty decent price on the secondhand market because of that. So this has been a much more cost-effective way to explore its world. And also to explore something that I probably wouldn't have committed any time to on a regular weekend because of the extra faff it took to get it off the ground initially. Yeah. But yeah, it's good. It's good. So Minecraft Dungeons was not bad. Sonic Frontiers, not good. Shadows of the Damned, not what I was expecting, but quite enjoying. But I want to end on a really high note by mentioning again a game I've blown the trumpet for for a very long time. The just unequivocally great Mixolumia Ah. that I'm playing again most evenings the prequel to executive golf <laughs> yeah basically after getting into core fault on your playdate recommendation the other week yeah i was really thrilled to see the music and sound effects from that little game have made their way to mix lumia as a new sound pack because obviously oh, it's dave makes it's their game it's easy enough to drop them across after a few games using that theming i then just found myself right back in the mix lumia hole chasing all my high scores again and this might mean nothing to people if they don't enjoy puzzle games but there is something i find genuinely fascinating about the way your brain starts to see patterns in games like mixolumia because this game is nowhere near as immediately readable and passable as something like tetris because that's got very distinct blocks you can play it almost entirely in your peripheries once you're good enough but this is a game that absolutely goes from being a poke and hope sort of block dropper to a game that has incredible strategy to it the more you play And across the versions on the Steam Deck and the Switch, I've probably played for something like 50-odd hours, and I'm still not able to consistently set up good cascading combos with any sort of effectiveness. But my average scores have upped every single time I've played. So my ability to match and drop under pressure is clearly getting faster and more accurate. And clearly that means the gears in my brain are starting to turn more effectively. And I just, I really like that process of seeing myself get better at something that's very simple in principle but has these kind of layers of depth to it when you want to persevere i'm really keen at some point to see if i can make my own sound packs for mixolumia yeah. because i don't think it's super tough there are guides online it's very easy to fiddle with the back end and work out where this stuff goes so maybe in the future look out for some acoustic guitar nonsense or even some guff i make on boogie loops or the cord <laughs> gadget on the switch that'd be nice just to see if i can do it so, you know, next time I've got a slightly extended weekend or a bit of holiday, I might sit down and try and learn the basics. One final, final, final thing. I'm not going to go into detail because next week is the play date week. We yeah. try and segment these things the best we can. But if you've seen Sparrow Solitaire, the Mahjong game on the Playdate catalogue and thought $10 seems a bit dear, 
you could not be more wrong. And I will call it now that that little tile matching game will be in my game of the year contention in six months or so. <laughs> I have not stopped playing it wow. since since I bought it a week or two ago. It's the perfect thing for that device for me. It really has scratched an itch. Dot IO. Hey! <laughs> so there we go. That is our uh, fortnightly update. We've played some games. What have you played this this week? Not you, Chris. <laughs> so I've just told Start you that. again. Tell us what you're playing. Any recommendations? Have you played what we've played? Disagree? Agree? Let us know. At O3C Games on everything. Next week, we are back with our penultimate play date, where we're going to be talking about B360 and Ratcheteer, the last two games in the official first season. We will, of course, be doing an additional episode focusing on the two new free games that came as part of the catalogue before doing our final big play date ranking, because oh, we just love to sit around ranking each other off love it we're going to fill you in on all the other playdate games that we've been playing because we have played so many yes so many i cannot wait to talk about it it's been fucking great so yeah uh, oh uh, twitter at jonathan dunn i'm at chaz underscore hodges also on twitter yeah you can chat to us there if you want uh, check out our website o3c.games patreon.com slash o3c games meet back here next week yeah right shall i start recording Yay!